0: You can learn a lot speaking to great business leaders. But here's the thing, you'll learn a lot more from speaking to the people who helped make them that way. Behind every great leader, you'll find a legion of coaches and mentors. And on this week's podcast episode, I spent time speaking to Tara Newman. Tara works with some of the biggest names in US business, and she talked me through some of the most common barriers to peak performance and how to overcome them. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join our Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders, and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along, and let's meet Tara. So this week, I'm delighted to welcome Tara Newman to the show. Tara, do you want to start just by maybe telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you normally do?
1: Sure, I'm Tara Newman, and if you cannot tell by my accent, I am a New Yorker from Long Island, New York, and I'm a business coach at helping small business owners leverage their businesses to generate tangible wealth.
0: Tangible wealth is a really good place to start. What does tangible wealth mean for you, or more importantly, for your clients?
1: For my clients and and for me, I think the, the real KPI around tangible wealth is net worth.
0: And I think I would probably argue that a lot of small business owners are very, very good at being busy. They're very, very good at winning business. But a lot of small businesses, they tend to just break even. They pay enough to make it worth doing, but they never really push much beyond that. So I'm really keen to understand uh, because I know your business is, is, is largely around, a, I'm fluffing the way that I express this because it's going to sound so simple, but it's it's largely a coaching business but that doesn't do it justice, having sort of have a, had a little bit of a rummage around your business. So how do you help people move past this just doing enough phase?
1: That's such a great question, and I actually also really appreciate your saying that it's, it's not just a coaching business, because I actually don't describe it as a coaching business. I describe it as an experience-based leadership development, Consulting and coaching business. And the reason why I say experience based is because leaders learn through best through experience. And so we try to provide experiences, whether it be a mastermind, a retreat, even just our regular programming that we have, to make it something that is you need to show up for. So it's not a passive course, it's not a DIY thing. Um, even in our most accessible program, the Brave Society, we're delivering live in that program three to four times a month. So that's kind of where I say that we kind of differentiate. It's just that I'm such a, you know, I'm trained in adult learning and instructional design. And so I'm a big proponent of that experiential learning. And the way we, the pillars really that we develop business leaders around are money, momentum, mastery, and margin. So really looking at what it takes to thrive and be rich or wealthy in all of those areas, rich in money, rich in momentum, rich in in mastery, as well as margin.
0: I think the margin one is so important because I meet a lot of business owners that they'll go straight to, yeah i'm i'm turning over six figures seven figures yeah how much are you making they won't tell you because there's a big difference between the turnover in your business and what you're actually earning and a lot of business owners they're very very open with the turnover number but actually there's a lot of shame a lot of the time around what your margin is what you're actually taking away how do you find business owners are when they when they first sort of encounter your world because the margin bit. Yeah, I think a lot of people they're not as open as they could be.
1: Yeah, I think you know, I think you make an excellent point and I think that more often than not business do, business owners don't know what their what they can take home or what they are taking home. They they don't have a firm grasp on their money. And it's mainly because that's not an aspect, especially women, it's not an aspect that we've necessarily been taught or trained. And whenever we talk about money in business, we talk about it from the from an accounting perspective. And in this in the States, because I'm from the United States, accounting really means IRS guidelines, you know, government mandated guidelines around taxes. And that's not necessarily business finance. That's not necessarily what it takes to build wealth. That is just what it means to keep you out of trouble with the IRS. Yeah.
0: It's exactly the same in the UK. And it frustrated me for many years when I was fairly new in business. And also, to be honest, once I was fairly well experienced, I went from accountant to accountant. And I would say, look, I'm, I'm looking for some advice. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll be your best friend. I'll be your business advisor. And then you hire them and then, sorry, we just, we just do the looking in the rearview mirror. We're not in the looking forward business at all, unless it's from a tax planning perspective. They're not business advisors. And that helped me back for years, realizing I have to take this on. And so that's why I like why you're starting with the the money.
1: And people are just so afraid and ashamed, like you mentioned, to even talk about money that we don't have words for it, we don't have language for it, we don't know how to talk about it without shame, without guilt, without embarrassment because that's what we've been conditioned. So even in one of my programs, I have a mastermind and one of the components of this mastermind that we run is that we have a quarterly money call with everybody in the mastermind. We all get together as a group and we just talk about money. And it's really unstructured. And the the call is very unstructured and it's just for people to show up. I And I tell them because they get really uncomfortable. I'm like, if you just sit here and say money, 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 I really don't care because you're talking about money. So there's no pressure on them to come in, have to ask a question or need to know something, but just to have some dialogue around money. And what this has done for people, I find it falls into three categories. What we talk about, we talk about the mindset, your mindset around money, your beliefs, your attitudes, your behaviors around money. We talk about where that came from. Where did it come from that you have these beliefs? Whose voice is it that you're hearing for these when you have these beliefs? What's your money story? What's the generational narrative that is playing for you around money? What is the societal narrative that's playing for you around money? So we, we talk about, you know, mindset. We talk about generational narratives, which can be very emotionally loaded. And we talk about the practical things like what does it mean to take on debt in your business? What does it mean to have a line of credit? Are you protecting yourself as the asset? Do you have disability insurance? Do you have um other kind of insurances. And so what wound up happening is, is within a year, we probably had about 50% of the mastermind go and secure themselves uh, lines of credit, small business lines of credit. Now, these are women who have walked into a bank and established a line of credit for their business, meaning that they have been able to demonstrate that over time their business has been consistently bringing in sustainable revenue and profitability so that a bank would give them a loan. That is mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, I can totally see that. I think talking about money is very unusual. I'm a member of a couple of masterminds where we talk about mindset. We talk about tactics. We talk about lots of different things, but we don't sort of lay it out on the table and say money, 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 as you described. But actually, you only ever move forward when you shine a light on something. And it's through the conversations around tactics and mindset that you you release the things that have been holding you back around those things. So I can totally see why talking about money very openly would allow you to shine a light on a fixed mindset that you've held for a long time and realize actually you know that doesn't make sense anymore so it's such such a refreshing way of looking at things the mastery bit intrigues me can you tell me a little bit about that
1: sure so mastery for me so the money component is a lot of profit profit first work because I'm in the process of becoming a certified profit first professional because my my mission and Mike McAllowitz's mission through profit first really align. So mm. the money piece is well, practically speaking, profit first, looking and then looking at mindset and your energy around money. Momentum is about keeping yourself in forward momentum through you know, creating feedback loops in your business, which I call CEO debriefs, where you can debrief what's working, what's not working, what you would be improving on a regular basis to keep you moving forward and to really collect that data and do that deep self-reflection as a business owner. Mastery is where the competencies come in. So what are the competencies that you need to really step into your business from a place of true ownership. Some people call it CEO, right? Like a CEO, these CEO competencies, the CEO mindset or what have you. But, you know, it's a little different when you are a business owner because you have your hands in so many different things, whereas a CEO would really be delegating to a C-suite, So, you know, the competencies that you have to have as a business owner, in my opinion, are different than the competencies maybe that a CEO would have because they have more support. I mean, depending on what size your small business is, but still, you know, depending on what kind of support you have. And so these are things like resiliency. Resiliency is a competency. And if we've ever seen a year where the competency of resiliency is the most important thing right now, this is the year. Um, That being values driven, right? That's a competency for leading a a small business that helps you make decisions throughout. And it, it helps you reduce decision fatigue when you're clear on your values and you've operationalized them. You know, things like courage, right? Entrepreneurial courage, that's a competency. So how can we help business owners develop specific competencies that they need to lead their business as well?
0: I think when you were speaking about this, the CEO competencies, it reminded me, and you'll probably resonate with this. Have you heard of Matthew Kimberley? Yes. Yeah. I I was on a call with Matthew Kimberley and he used this analogy that in any business, usually the CEO will be the most highly paid person and then will come the sales director and then comes the sales team and then comes the marketing department and then comes, operations and then administration. But if you look at how most small businesses operate, especially owner operated businesses, they have it completely upside down. They prioritize the administration and then operations and then marketing and then sales and then last of all, the strategy. And I thought that was really useful. And I think that you focus in on those CEO competencies is so strong. What I really like about everything you're doing within your practice is it's so structured. It's so smart. It's a a really nice way of doing things. It sounds like your lawn care guy is trying to break in.
1: Yes. (laughs) They just came right up to the front door and I'm not far from the front door. So you can mark this down as where you're.
0: (laughs) No, no, we'll, we'll carry on. My audience love getting a peek into other people's lives. So this is real stuff. So it's fine. So Your business, you work one-to-one with clients, you work in a mastermind setting, and then you have this other element. I'm not sure, how how would you describe this this other element?
1: So in my business, we do work in a a couple of different ways. So I do go in, I have a corporate kind of consultancy where I go into much larger businesses and deliver uh, either coaching or consulting into their businesses around setting up really their overall strategy, their vision, their mission, their values, and then how do they operationalize that into the organization and then coach their leadership teams around creating a coaching culture, because that's really popular right now is creating a coaching culture that is you know empathetic and resilient and fosters open communication then i have my one-on-one coaching i have a mastermind and i have what i call the brave society and the brave society is it's it's kind of a productized uh program where people come in and they're able to get the frameworks and the tools they need to implement in their business it's an implementation container so we teach them the framework some of my frameworks um, and tools to go and do the work because I hear so many people so many business owners are like I'm not sure what to do next I don't know what the work looks like Gary V keeps talking about the work and I don't know what he means <laughs> or you know I don't know how to translate that into applying it to my business or how do I learn something and then apply that into my business so many people take courses and in any organization, no matter how big they are, the skill transfer piece, the piece where you've learned the thing and then you've gone and applied the thing, really has, there's like a breakdown there. So this container is all about skill transfer, learning something and applying it. Oh my God, the dogs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm honestly not worried about the dogs. Yeah, your dog hates people cutting grass. Yeah.
1: Well, I have two of them, so it's twice It's twice, oh, it's twice the up. fun and they wind each other up around it. So.
0: <laughs> so one of the things that my audience regularly struggles with, and I did a little bit of a survey recently. I mean, my, my podcast is the Digital Marketing Entrepreneur Show. So the theme is typically people trying to build their businesses online or promote their businesses online. And I did a little bit of a survey saying, what are your biggest challenges in digital marketing? and I was really interested to see that the things people came back with were not technical they were not strategic they were I feel overwhelmed by it I don't know how to find the time to do it I'm scared about putting myself out there and looking stupid or something as simple as I just feel really shy and I don't know how to get past it Mm -hmm. and when I was looking through your your ecosystem it sounded like you'd be a great person to have a perspective on this. So what would you say to somebody who was telling you this?
1: Yeah, this is really, this is really what a lot of people don't get. They want more strategy. They want more strategy, 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 strategy. As a matter of fact, when my clients show up week after week talking strategy, I'm like, okay, this is a red flag. We've gone over the strategy. Matter of fact, any strategy will work If you work the strategy, I can give person A the same strategy as I give to person B, and they're going to go and execute it completely differently. Why? Why is the performance between two people so different, right? And this is where we have to start looking at human behavior, where we have to start looking at habits. And this is why I create frameworks. Not to say, go do step A, B, C, D, or two plus two equals four, like a formula, but you're staring at a blank page and you're feeling really overwhelmed let me give you the structure for the page and then you can fill in so and i'm going to give you an example in one of my frameworks that we use in my business and it's going to speak to exactly what you're talking about so i have a framework called ems and in in the, in the states EMS stands for emergency medical services, which is really funny because you should work this like it's the emergency medical services in your business. So EMS stands for energy mindset strategy in that order. So if you get your energy right, because your energy is your most competitive advantage. That's my belief. It's your signature, your energetic signature. I can give you some examples. So you're going to first wake up in your day and you're going to take care of your energy. You're not going to rush right into work. You, you might need to work out. You might need to go for a brisk walk. You might need to do a meditation or yoga or light candles or I like to clean my house because it cleans clears my energy um, field. I'm also a master Reiki practitioner, so that's why I talk energy. Um, so clear your energy. Get in the, in the this great space where you just feel good right you feel good then look at what you're thinking your mindset like what are you believing in this moment and usually if you take care of your energy your mindset will be pretty good um but you still may have like i don't believe this is possible this is possible for everybody but it's not possible for me um this feels overwhelming and hard you know whatever it is do whatever mindset work you can do to reframe your perspective maybe you say a series of i am statements to yourself before you start your work day maybe you review your vision and your mission to get your mindset into your overall mission and vision and then you take strategic action so get your energy right get your mindset right and then take strategic action which is basically what you're saying is that it's not the strategy it's the implementation it's those steps before that come up with the strategy, the feelings of overwhelm, the fear around putting yourself out there and being visible. And when you drill down into that, a lot of times, especially around this visibility piece, there's trauma there. The person has been bullied. The person has been rejected. The person has been ostracized. They've maybe experienced some kind of abuse or betrayal or transgression that's making them feel not safe. And that's why they're struggling to put themselves out there and be more visible. And telling someone to just go be more visible or go and think more visible thoughts or <laughs> or follow step one, two, three for your visibility is probably not gonna work for that person.
0: I really like that. I think that EMS structure makes so much sense. And what it made me think of was Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning where he quite, I mean, the way that he tells the story, he quite deliberately went out and tried to reverse engineer lots of different success habits and put it into a simple framework. And you've kind of done the same thing with that. I don't know how intentional and deliberate that was, but certainly the, the energy, the mindset, and the energy, obviously I got the order wrong. Energy, is, mindset, is, strategic action. Yeah, it's, it's doing exactly that. So I really, really like that one other thing i wanted to ask you about was within some of the i I have a good rake around people's websites before i speak to them and one of the things that i came across was journaling that you have a particular approach to journaling now journaling is one of these things that is a bit woo Mm -hmm. but a lot of things that are a bit woo are based in solid principles now i don't know what those principles are and i'm guessing you do so i'd like to ask you for your perspective on on journaling because it is one of these things where you can bring things to the surface a little bit
1: yeah I mean I think that that journaling is kind of like a really broad term and that's why people kind of struggle with it, it it's again it requires a framework to fill the, to give you a structure on that blank page, because staring at that blank page can really freak you out. And I think that's why things like the five minute journal are such popular products is because it gives you the five, like the five minute journal or the gratitude journal or whatever those things are, they give you a framework. They take away that blank page and give you a direction. And, you know, it's funny that journaling comes across as woo, because there's actually a lot of research and data to back up um the efficacy of journaling and so i think there's like a lot of different ways you can look at it right some people journal just to document their life and and you know to to create like like a diary right of on this day this happened uh this is what was awesome you know like a memoir almost and and that's fantastic um that's not how i journal and that's not really uh what, what I'm talking about, I kind of look at it more from the perspective of what are you reflecting on? What are you, you know, how are you, what are you thinking? What are those hard conversations that you may need to have where you can practice in your journal first? So I always say, first of all, journaling is the habit that has led me to generate um over a million and a half dollars in revenue. If I had to pinpoint down how I have made all the money in my business over these last few years, it's journaling. Everything happens in my journal before it happens in my business. So, you know, a launch happens in my journal before it happens in my business. A difficult conversation happens in my journal before it happens in my business. my mindset around things gets handled in my journal this is where i can be the most honest with myself and assess how i'm doing as a business owner that happens in my journal what i need to take responsibility for and change happens in my journal what's working in my business and what i'm celebrating and what i can't wait to do more of happens in my journal the things that are draining my energy, and that I'm going to create boundaries around happens in my journal, and so one of this is another place where I really help people with a framework is I have something called the CEO debrief, and that's basically a set of ten questions. You can go to my website, you can download it, you can um, access a masterclass around you know this this business system that allows you to create these feedback loops for yourself so that you can grow there's a master class on that um that gives you some of the actual science and the evidence and the data behind it but really even just sitting down and, and asking yourself a set of 10 questions each week and reflecting on them is helpful and the reason why I started doing this was my first business failed we went bankrupt so i know all about entrepreneurial poverty i know what happens when you're not generating a profit (laughs) i know what happens and it was during um the great recession so i know what happens when you have to navigate a chaotic and crisis-laden economy and when i went to start this business in late 2014 2015 i was kind of panicked i mean i always wanted to run my own business the business that failed was my husband's we were partners he ran it i still worked in corporate to provide like the income but we were both on those documents and on those papers and when we went bankrupt i remember looking at him and i said to him i said i hate you you ruined my life i'm never going to be able to run my own business now because you failed running our business i mean i was really angry and so the fact that I'm even running a business today blows my mind because I didn't think that I'd be able to do this with a bankruptcy on my history. I had to run my business all on cash. I had no credit when I started my business. So, you know, to all those people putting $40,000 on a credit card for courses in the online space, I couldn't do that. And so when I first started this business, I had to get real about that past experience and what worked, what didn't work, what did we learn? What did I need to take responsibility for? Because until that point, we were just blaming the economy. We're like, the economy tanked, so we tanked. We had a client who went out of business and stiffed us for like $40,000 after we shipped product, we had a client who decided to send all of their work to China because it was cheaper during in this economy. So we were like, the economy, the economy, the economy. But the reality is, is we had a lot of control that we didn't exercise and that we abdicated and that we didn't take responsibility for. We didn't take responsibility for our mindset. We didn't take responsibility for asking for help. We didn't take responsibility for... Um, asking better questions. We didn't take responsibility for debriefing on a regular basis, what was working and what wasn't working. So we couldn't catch things fast enough. We couldn't fail fast enough. And so this whole process around journaling and doing these CEO debriefs for me was born out of that experience.
0: I that, That's a really, really useful way of looking at journaling. I think that everything out there happens in here first is, is really, really powerful. So I am going to go and have a look at that framework on your website as soon as we're done, because like anybody else, most of the things that hold my back, my business back are actually in my head. They're not out there in the world at all. And even those things that are out there in the world holding my business back, they're in my head too, uh, a lot of the time. One of the, you, your business, is it's all around boldness. courage. It's not all, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but bold is, is probably the one word that appears most often on your website. What advice would you give to anyone listening? And I'm going to say in particularly women, not for any reason other than I think the most potential I see for transformation in the business community is with women and particularly with the clients I work with. If I look at who could really shake things up but mm-hmm. right. it doesn't it typically is is the women that i work with because they're the people that get me most excited about the potential mm-hmm. wow that was a hard question to ask but do you understand what i mean yes i do how would you move them past that
1: it, you know a lot of people find me because their word for the year is bold they pick a word for the year and they and the word that e, for the year that they pick is bold and i'm going to i'm going to create this in some context to digital marketing just because that's what your audience is is uh you know around and and also speaking to when you polled your audience what the issues were bold does not mean loud in my book bold is quiet and unwavering bold is knowing where you stand with your vision your values and your mission and taking a stand for that unapologetically without compromise. And when you believe in something and you take a stand for what you believe in, unapologetically, you will be a disruptor. You, your very existence will disrupt the status quo in the most quiet ways. And I'm gonna give you an example of this. So coronavirus, we're all, Quarantined. nobody's going anywhere and us ladies, our roots are coming in and, um, you know, I'm gray, I'm going gray, right? So I've decided, you know, part of coronavirus for me has been really looking at, wow, how m- much society puts like these expectations around beauty on women. And so I'm like, I'm gonna give that the middle finger and I'm gonna say, you know, I'm beautiful without all these, um, you know, beauty standards of dumbing my hair and getting my nails done and the pedicures and the waxing and the blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we call it self care. But the reality is, is it takes a lot of time. and, And it takes a lot of money. And it's not truly what self care is in in my opinion. And so I'm letting my grays come in. And this is really wigging some women out. They're really like looking at my gray hair and they're, they're, they're like, are you, are you going to color it? Are you going to, are you just going to go gray? And I don't think I'm ready for that. And I'm not, I'm not, maybe like when I'm 75, I'll go gray, right? And it's being real, it's disrupting people. And all I've done is decided that I'm going to be bold and courageous and not buy into the tip stereotypical beauty standards of the Western culture
0: yeah it sounds very simple when you put it like that and i guess it's incremental baby steps it's like mountain climbing that you you get a clip in you can move up a step you reach up again clip in move up another step
1: and i'm not shouting about it i'm not the loudest i'm not like you know on some advocacy campaign about women going gray I'm just showing up and people are looking at me and and most people are like, wow, I love your gray hair and other people are looking at me and they're really, it's highlighting something within them that they mm. need to be looking at. And so it's disruptive. And that's really what being bold is, is just when you show up uniquely and authentically as yourself, you will be disruptive. You will disrupt the status quo.
0: So I would like to ask you a little bit about how you promote your business now, because Lots of people, they come and talk about what they do, and that's great uh, because the only people that come on this podcast, what they do is valuable for my audience. So I like to spend a lot of time on that. But I would like to understand a little bit about how you reach your audience. How, What does what your own marketing, particularly your digital marketing, look like?
1: Okay. Uh, so a couple of things. Uh, my, philosophy, my philosophy, my personal philosophy in life, and, you know, I think everyone should have a personal philosophy, but my personal philosophy in life is be helpful, be human, be humble. And I apply that to my marketing. So where can I be helpful? Where can I be human? Where can I humanize? Where can I normalize and you know, be humble? And so the way this looks is I have a podcast, it's free. And as you know, Bob, it's free for everybody else, but it's not free for us podcasters.
0: No, nobody cares either.
1: <laughs> so, you know, this is my service and my generosity and my free giving into the world is my podcast. Um, it is not fluff. You can come and get real business education, real takeaways, real things to implement in your business. And then we show up in places where I really like to show up. I like Instagram. So I tend to hang out, hang out on Instagram.
0: What's your Instagram?
1: Uh, at the Tara Newman.
0: Okay. You keep talking. I'll go find it now.
1: At the Tara Newman. And in my, the links in my bio, you can find, um, that master, that master class I was talking about earlier around like why the CEO debriefs are so powerful and, I just like hanging out there. I feel energized hanging out there. I have multiple ways of generating leads, which I think everybody should have. And I think people forget. So, you know, the podcast will generate leads. Social media will generate leads. uh, Just natural. I'm a natural relationship builder that generates leads. And then I drive everybody to my email because I love to write. And so You know i love to write my people a really good email a thought-provoking email i like to check in through email so i think of my email as a free facebook group i can't do free facebook groups because it drains my energy and it gets very tricky for me as to where i'm delivering value and how much value i'm delivering so You know, if you hear that, you know, have a free Facebook group, that's a great, you know, marketing strategy. And you're someone who's like, oh, my God, I can't do that. Great. Neither can I. So I treat my email like my free Facebook group and I do check ins. I sent an email this weekend just saying, hey, everyone, I know it's crazy out there with coronavirus and, you know, the political economy and the politics and the economy and everything that's going on in the world. Just let me know. Drop me a line. How are you doing? Right. And I just take real human helpful approach. You know, talking about humility, I know that when I talk to people and survey my audience, I love that you survey your audience, Bob, because that's I'm a big researcher of human behavior. And I really like to understand what people are thinking, what they're saying, what's on their hearts. And the one thing that I've been hearing a lot from people surrounding me is, they're not appreciating the uh, income reports and the income claims that people are making and using their personal income to market their businesses. They kind of see through that. They're like, just cause that's your revenue doesn't mean that's what you're taking home, right, Bob? That's what we were just talking about earlier. And it just, it doesn't feel good to them. So, you know, how can I show up and just be a humble human being, remember where I've started, I went bankrupt, I failed, you know, I don't get it right all the time. I still don't get it right. I'm still failing and just be, be honest with that.
0: No, I really, really like that. And I think digital marketing is essentially very simple. And it, there is some technique, there's some tactic, there's some strategy, but it is essentially show up and make an offer. And if you show up as a valuable person and make an offer, your offers will be accepted much more often. Uh, and everything else is really just fluff at the end of the day. I'm sorry for anybody that really likes to go deep into particular tactics and techniques. And if you're an e-commerce, it's maybe a little bit different, but if you are a consultant or a trainer or someone like that, it really is. You need to build relationships at scale. And the better those relationships are, the better your business will be.
1: Yeah, and I want to just also reflect on what you said, like make an offer. Yes, you have to make an offer. You have to convert that offer. If you are not converting, there is no point in your marketing, in my opinion. And I think I feel really strongly about this, especially uh, for women. And again, back to kind of mindset and emotional piece over our strategy piece is that, you know, we hear that the strategy is to nurture, right? That's one part of the marketing cycle. Nurture, nurture, nurture. Right, this is Gary V's uh jab 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 uh and then the right hook. hook. Uh and, and you know, any number of people are out there who are teaching nurture nurture in the marketing sequence, and that gets real tricky for women specifically, because you know, we've been stereotypically conditioned to be nurturers. You know, maybe there's some biology there as women that we're nurturers as well. And I see a lot of women get stuck, especially in the digital space where the opportunity to nurture is so great where that is kind of what's being um you know driven into people is the free 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 you have to be you have to make the offer or else all you're doing is over delivering
0: i think that's where jess lorimer who introduced us is a very good role model because she is a nurturing person she's a very sort of warm person to be around but she always has an offer and she's quite courageous with it So I really like that mm-hmm. I'm seeing the time and I don't want to abuse your time too much so I guess what I would like to ask you is the same question I try and remember to ask everyone at the end of an interview and it's what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago
1: mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna be really contrary and say nothing <laughs> because because everything that i've done all the mistakes that i've made all the lessons that i've learned have led me to this point point. and you know speaking of my bankruptcy people often ask me you know oh my gosh like do you ever regret that do you ever wish that didn't happen do you? and i no, i learned so much about money and finance and communication and business i would not be the success i am today without that bankruptcy at all
0: i think that's a really good perspective and it does bring me mentally back to the the energy mindset strategy side of things so i think that's a really good perspective tara if people want to Get in touch with you if they want to take things further with you how would you like them to get in touch with you
1: sure so if they're interested in learning any of my frameworks or anything like that we are delivering a master class on september 4th called how to create your boldest offer so you can stand out in the uh, in the marketplace and that boldest piece is a seven-part framework that we're going to take you through and you can access that by going to my website or going to my Instagram, probably going to my Instagram is honestly the easiest place to get to that. And, or listening to my podcast, you can find me on Instagram at the Tara Newman, and you can enjoy my podcast at the bold leadership revolution podcast.
0: Tara Newman, you have been a fantastic guest. And I think for you under challenging circumstances with the dogs and the guy cutting the grass, I feel so sorry for you. But it's been a great interview thank you so much for your time
1: thanks bob thanks for having me
0: taking bold action is probably the biggest indicator of success in digital marketing overcoming momentum and failing to execute on even the simplest plan are often the most common problems i see bold action needs a clear head a clear plan and a commitment to make that plan happen get those things straight and the results are pretty much a foregone conclusion before i go Just a quick reminder to subscribe. And again, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, you'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me at Bob Gentle. And if you do message me, let me know and I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review on iTunes. It means a lot to me and it's the best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Tara for giving us her time this week and to you for listening, and I'll see you next time.